This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Curves Podcast. You know, if you have any questions, comments, or inspirational stories, maybe even an announcement, uh, write us at feedback at aviationcurvespodcast.com. You know, one of the really important aspects of this podcast is, you know, sharing stories and of other pilots and what they're doing in their flying careers. And, you know, I love reading your inspirational stories while I'm on the podcast. And, you know, I really would like to invite you to join the show and, and share your story. Simply click on the link on the right side of the screen there on the website, Aviation Careers Podcast, and uh, you can learn more about being a guest on the show. As a matter of fact, today I have with me someone who did just that. Uh, Sean Crow is a former realtor, is uh, progressing real rapidly towards his career as an airline pilot, and uh, he's changed his career in his 30s, and now he wants to share with you how you can do the same. But before we get started with Sean, I want to go through a couple of announcements, really important. As you know, the scholarships guide, um, it's the feedback's really pouring in since things have changed. We have uh, somebody new, Alicia, who's joined the staff, and she is doing a wonderful job uh, putting more and more uh, scholarships out there. As a matter of fact, uh, this month we have 29 new scholarships and then six updates, because that's the important thing. Scholarships always change. Uh, so she's got 29 new ones and six updates, and we have over $50 million out there. We're going to actually up that number because we haven't counted since we've been putting all these in there. There's quite a few more that are out there. But, of course, you can find all that aviationcareerspodcast.com. Another important thing. I talk about paying it forward. One of the ways that you can pay it forward is by purchasing a scholarships guide for somebody else. And you can do that very simply by going to pay it forward on the website. And you can buy one or you can buy multiple scholarships guides. And to do that, uh, you just select pay it forward, purchase one. And if you purchase up to five, that's $50 worth, I'll throw one in. Uh, so that's a total of six if you put in 50. The other thing is that many people want to buy one for somebody else. And uh, to, to make it simple, we decided what we'll do is if you do pay it forward and say you want to be mentioned on the website, uh, you're supporting an organization, you can write to us. But also say you want an individual to have that scholarships guide. Well, it's real simple. Buy one. And then send us your electronic receipt and say, hey, I want this to go to an individual. We'll send you a coupon, a specific coupon just for that individual. Can use can be used only once, and they can get a free scholarships guide. So if you want to pay it forward to somebody anonymously, you can also do that easily. But you can pay it forward to an individual. And uh, the way to do it for an individual, just send us an email with your receipt saying, hey, I want to send this to... Uh, somebody who's a friend, a relative, somebody I think who can really use a scholarships guide, and we'll just send them a specific coupon. Again, the July scholarships guide, it's got 29 new ones, six updates, and we have more coming. Uh, and also want to say welcome aboard to Alicia for picking up uh, and now is, uh, is uh, leading our account now and uh, with the podcast and everything. And, uh, and Bethany, our new editor for the podcast, uh, welcome aboard also to Bethany. So we have a lot of new, new faces here. Uh, it's all behind the scenes, but I do want to, one of the things I think is important is to just, you know, recognize those people here uh, who've done a, a great job and are going to be doing a great job in the future. But uh, anyway, like I said, today I have somebody who's uh, gone from realtor to airline pilot and is on that journey, and that's Sean Crow. Hey, Sean, welcome to the podcast. 
Hey, Carl, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to, to share my story and inspire those like, uh, like many have done before me. Well, Sean, you, you're doing something uh, a little bit different as far as, uh, you know, the path to the airlines and you're flying uh, 135 freight for a cargo. But before we get to that, I'd like to know a little bit more about you. I know this is not something that just started overnight. You know, aviation's really been a, a passion of yours, hasn't it, for quite some time? Oh, yeah. Um, I came from a, a, a family who flew, so I grew up around it all the time and I always say that uh, I took my first loggable hour back in 1999 when I was in high school. So I progressed through the the ratings and licenses throughout college. And then uh, I actually even had enough hours and experience to go to the regionals back in around 2005, 2006. But I, I felt that uh, the quality of life and the pay was was not for me at the time. So I decided to to get in the real estate. And by doing so, Ended up taking a little bit of a hi- hiatus um, from from flying, and then kind of just uh, had fun with real estate, and even had a real estate coach who kind of helped me find out that my passion wasn't necessarily selling real estate, but it was actually flying. And so, uh, what he encouraged me to deal with was get back into that and explore that like a kid, and um, basically see what it what kind of doors it would open up for me and so i i got on the horn called three of my friends in the industry and they said hey now's now's the time to get back in if you're if you're thinking about it due to the due to the shortage so that's uh that's what i did i started looking back into it and decided uh i'm gonna kind of take take it back to square one go through the material and figure out how how can i get to the uh, to the regionals as quickly as I could and bridge the gap with my uh, with my hours. So when you said you took a hiatus, um, now that was what in oh how many years was that about? Around eight years. So I was flying pretty frequently up until two thousand eight, and then uh, uh, basically from two thousand eight to two thousand sixteen, I, I flew maybe a couple hours a year just to kind of you know say hey I. I did log an hour or a few hours each year, but nothing to stay current, especially, you know, in instrument conditions. Uh, it was just more or less just to keep my medical current and also uh, keep an hour or two a year going. So, yeah, nothing serious or anything like that. So you had mentioned you were eligible for the regionals, and there's, I think, something there that it, people may not understand is that the requirements were different back then than they are now, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they were uh, a lot less hours uh, that were required. And um, as as we all know that uh, by today's standards, you are required to have your airline transport pilot's license as well as a minimum of 1,500 hours. And then all these other little credentials that uh, you're supposed to have with nighttime and IMC or instrument conditions, that type of stuff. But uh, back then, uh, I met that criteria uh, due to the lower standards. Uh, but um, since they raised it, I had to figure out another way to get there. Yeah, and back then it was just a commercial multi-engine you needed to get hired. Uh, so it was amazing. People getting hired with 500 or less hours. 
phenomenal. Yeah, it yeah. was. <laughs> it's a whole other world now with that 1,500-hour rule. Um, and just to clarify for some people that are listening, if you go to a qualified institution like a college, you can if you get a four-year degree, you can bump it down to 1,000, two-year degree, 1,250. And if you're from the military, it's 750 hours. You get what's called a restricted ATP, and that enables you to get hired with an airline. But uh, to upgrade to captain, you have to have the, the unrestricted ATP is a 1,500 hours. The reason that... Uh, Sean, you need the 1,500 hours is that uh, you don't have a degree from one of those institutions. You're like most people that career changers that have another degree and, and you just want to build the hours to get your ATB the, the normal way, in other words. Yeah, absolutely. I did all my training through Part 61 FARs. Yeah, and I say normal, and I should, probably shouldn't have said that, by by the more traditional, because uh, it seems like nowadays yeah. n- normal is, is people are going to these schools and, and colleges. There's so many folks coming out and uh, having their restricted ATP by getting an associate's or a bachelor's de- these days, that's for sure. Um, but you're, you know, one important thing about you is that, and I've seen this happen quite often. A lot of folks got out of the industry and about their same age and, and said, you know what, this is not a good time. I need to put food on the table. And then all of a sudden now, um, you know, there's there's a shortage. Uh, you're actually in your 30s now, right? So this has got to be, there has got to be certain challenges for being your age and making this, this career hurdle. And, and what are some of those? Well, I, I had a really good real estate business and I had to take a really deep look at uh, what I was potentially giving up versus what I was going to gain. And I had a really good discussion with my wife and and that was really important for me to help make this decision was have her on board and she's got my full support in this uh, career change. So uh, by giving up a little bit on the real estate side, uh, I, I by the way, I've still been able to kind of... Uh, procure a little bit of an income as a result of that, but uh, nothing like I was as a full-time realtor. Um, But the amount of gain that I had to give up in order to get where I am now has been a tremendous, um, a tremendous jump. In fact, uh, my wife is actually excited about what the future holds for us. So uh, I feel like it was a, a good decision for us. Yeah, I'm curious, too. I see a lot of folks, uh, as an aside for those that are thinking about maybe staying in real estate, I see a lot of folks at the airlines stay in it. They usually, uh, it seems like they usually partner with somebody else, either a spouse or somebody else in the office. Is that uh, something you've seen? And also, is that something you're intending on doing in the future? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because we had a a succession plan because I didn't want to leave all my clients just kind of left there and... uh, potentially seeking a weak agent at a weak time. So I partnered with a top team in our in our office and we've got an agreement in place and that's how I've been able to still derive a little bit of an income from my database. And so uh, I, I still have my my DNA on on my database and kind of team decisions and that kind of stuff. But basically I'm I'm a I'm a professional pilot any more than I am a realtor. Right, right. So, and that's the important part is you've really kind of cut off from that because I think a lot of people think that they can continue doing what they're doing. But when you make this transition, because you have to build hours, you really have to concentrate on the career that you're going for. So uh, one of the points I wanted to make is that you may may not be able to do as much as you think you might be able to in the current career you're in. So sometimes it's good to kind of just make that cut, isn't it, Sean? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's what I had to do. So, um, that's great advice, Carl. 
So you're now, so now you're moving on, you're, you're flying. Um, you had some hours to get hired with an airline. You, uh, and did you go to the CFI route, by the way? Actually, uh, I, I, I ended up trying to pursue it, but unsuccessfully. So, um, that route was something that I kind of looked back at going, you know, and revisiting, but, uh, I decided that I didn't really want to instruct and was trying to figure out a different way to, to get there. And, and, come to find out there's actually plenty of opportunities out there for those who don't have CFI. So you just kind of have to do some seeking and figuring out what those opportunities are. Well, one of those opportunities is actually something that we used to talk about a lot in the past, and that's flying freight. And uh, some people fly for uh, what's called uh, on-demand freight or charter. Part 135 is a lot of times what we call it in the uh, aviation world. But so that's kind of the route you've gone. So you didn't go the CFI route. You were able to go this route of freight and uh, air cargo on demand. But what what exactly is that, the the scheduled and also the, the Part 135 freight? What, what do we mean by that? Yeah, so uh, basically there's there's customers out there that, that need uh, material or product a lot sooner than it would be would be to go on like let's say a major carrier uh, uh cargo carrier so we are more or less the smaller operator that goes point to point and uh, we're on the the on scheduled stuff or the scheduled stuff is more or less kind of a, a routing or a route system that that's already in place and then the on demand is is just that the customer calls up our operations they get a quote, and if they're satisfied with it, then an airline or one of our crews will go to the the destination where the product or material is and then take it to the customer that's uh, nearest to them. So we can access plenty of smaller airports, and um, we're just there as quickly as we possibly can for the customer's needs. And that's the uh, on-demand charter or cargo there. So. Like a, a good example of that is, uh, I know in our area where I live, we have a lot of different plants. Uh, my neighbor actually works at one of them, and if some piece in that plant, a small something, whatever it may be, breaks, they need to get it fixed right away, and they have a resource, and they can call them. They call a charter, and they bring it in on a small airplane. It's there within hours, maybe six hours, and that plant's up and running again. That's, that's, I guess, just one of the, the, uh, examples. And I'm sure you do a little bit of that too. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we had a, the, that same exact issue happen where this, uh, refinery out in Montana Billings area, uh, they had a, they were using a backup part. And so we overnight went up to Kalamazoo where the product was being manufactured and took it there to Billings, uh, and they got it there the, by the next morning. So they were very grateful for that. That's an example of what we can do with freight, you know, in, in bringing it to the, uh, you know, plant to fix the plant. Um, I mean, do you have any other examples like that? We deal primarily in, in the medicine field. So we haul a lot of medicine and then also car parts. So there's opportunities where we travel internationally down to Mexico and bring the uh, parts back to the car manufacturers. So uh, there's a lot of real-world experience with flying internationally, which has been uh, super, super helpful, too. So as far as the getting the job, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, you actually 
said that there's other opportunities, that type of thing of flying and not necessarily doing the CFI thing. Typically, from what you've seen and also at the place you fly now, what are those like minimums you need to do the type of thing you're doing? Yeah, so I think our company specifically is all about kind of the opportunity, you know, what what could potentially happen next for you. So uh, we typically look at candidates uh, around the thousand hour mark and then um, getting your uh, your multi-engine because we do fly piston multi-engine aircraft as well as jet aircraft, which is obviously a multi-engine as well. But uh that's kind of what we're looking for. And, and the reason why I say it's, it's good for us is because by having that, you can actually get in and learn from the others who have been here before us who are kind of help mentoring those individuals and, and grooming them into basically upgrading and, and going to the next step. So there's a lot of value in learning from others and also the real world aspect of flying how we fly okay that makes sense yeah yeah no that that makes great sense i mean i think it's a it's a great opportunity especially doing freight i mean you're we're working in the system you're flying in the system all day long it's a little different than banner towing you're doing the type of flying that uh, a major airline would want to see doing the ifr uh, working in the system type flying um so to understand if someone does get hired say with your company would say with the thousand hours and has the multi-engine commercial would they go right into the jet or would it be something more like a piston aircraft well they would start out with the piston aircraft but uh very quickly we we get our new hires that experience with the pistons and then uh we set them up to go to an offsite facility to get uh, not necessarily type rated because there isn't a type rating for the SIC, but we get them the proper training to go to and fly in the jets. So uh, it's a very quick process. And and the intentions are is that everyone that does get hired has the capabilities of flying both the, the twin pistons and in the jets. So the, piston aircraft and the jet, that's going to help you get hired somewhere else. And I'm curious, what do you see like where you are right now? Do most of the folks move on to the regionals or do they go straight from where you are to the majors? That's a good question. We've seen all around uh, kind of what happens there. And, and that was kind of what was a deciding factor for me in, in staying because my initial way of going about it was to just kind of stay in the right seat, gain my experience, bridge the gap of the hours that I needed and then go on to a regional. But uh, I had uh, a friend of mine who worked at the company here who he said basically he was treating this job or this position as his quote unquote regional airline. And so uh, he kind of showed me the timeline that if I had gone on to a regional and went that direction, what the upgrade process looked like and so on and so forth versus staying here, upgrading and, uh, you know, kind of compared the two timelines and I shared that with my wife. We sat down, we worked the numbers and realized that, hey, this is actually kind of the better route for us because it it may give us the opportunity to bypass the regional airlines and go to a major or a, a legacy carrier, um, as well as even look at the fractional or or corporate side of things too. So I feel like this upgrade has done favors for me and given me uh, new doors out there. And I like having opportunities. <laughs> So, so you actually now are then 
upgrading to a captain on on both the the piston and the jet, or do you just fly the one? Uh, I primarily fly the jet now, so I'm uh, the magic number that I'm looking for is about a thousand hours of PIC jet time, and I'm just about a third of the way there. So we've been flying quite a bit here, and I I made the upgrade earlier this year, so. If that gives you an idea of kind of how often we're flying and and what that looks like, so so that's not bad uh, to be not bad at all. Yeah, and and that's a fairly quick upgrade. So you really, uh, it's a great opportunity for you to quote unquote, as they say, skip the regionals. Now, one thing I I, I want to make people understand is there's a lot of people that go to the majors who've never flown at the regional airlines. I think because of the fact that the regionals are hiring so much right now. We see a whole bunch of people come from the regionals. In the past, we saw a lot of people obviously coming from the military, have no airline experience at all. So the first time they learn about a gate hold or whatever is at the at the majors. Similarly, there's people coming out of the corporate environment. The type of flying you're doing with the 135, the, the freight, et cetera, is similar to the path where a lot of people go and fly corporate, except you probably depending on the corporation, of course, but you're probably getting more hours doing what you're doing because a lot of corporations, they're only flying about 200 hours a year. I'm curious about how much, how many hours do you think you'll be putting in every year? Uh, due to the new contract work that we've got, I can see myself getting around 600 hours this year. So uh, it might be a little more than that. And uh, I must say, too, as an aside, uh, the, the types of flying that I'm doing, you know, I'm, I've really kind of sharpened my my stick flying skills as well. So uh, it, by flying every day or, every, well, a couple times a week, you have the opportunity to fly in, in inclement weather and, and kind of all times of the day, night, that type of stuff. And, and with flying uh, freight, uh, it's given me the ability to kind of stick fly a little bit more, too. So in that flying that you're doing, you're getting also the real world instrument experience, you know, getting the clearances, flying in actual IFR, going down to minimums. That's correct, right? Absolutely. Flying arrivals, flying standard instrument departures, just we're basically a small regional airline is what we are. And, and, uh, but we go to all sorts of different places. So I, I like the environment. I like the the training aspect that our company has been able to provide us, and that was something that was really important to me when I was getting back into this. Yeah, and that's it, it, you know it's funny you say bypassing the regionals because uh, you know like I said in the past, a lot of folks normally they would go this route. Uh, many times when we talk about freight, uh, and you've heard me talk on the show about freight in the past. Some of these were like single engine piston aircraft, uh, you know, the old flying wild Alaska type of flying, you know, where they upgrade up into the turbine, flying many hours in a 210 and, you know, but, but we're talking more multi-engine turbine time. As a matter of fact, you're going to be getting P or you have or are getting PIC turbine multi, which will enable you to actually be eligible to get hired by a major, which, you know, when we talked about this, you know, bypassing the regionals you know you're you're doing the same flying that an airline pilot at a regional is doing except you're probably doing more uh as far as you know dispatching and filing flight plans and that so so let's talk a little bit about that how your environment is different than say the the average uh say airline pilot because as an airline pilot i don't do anything i just show up and turn it on and go uh do you actually get involved in the planning process 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, you know, BMP, IC or pilot in command. I, I do the flight planning. I look at the weather and, and all that type of stuff. And we have a real good hands-on approach with how we, how we go through the process. So I actually just got back from a trip, uh, from the West coast here last night and I did flight planning A to Z and, and was very involved with the process. So yeah, it, like I said, it's it's very enjoyable to be able to do that type of stuff. So, so you actually know how to file a flight plan, <laughs> right? Yes, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> so, so the reason I, that's that's funny is that I can't tell you the last time I filed a flight plan. Uh, you know, it's uh, other than a small plane, but in a in a larger in an airline environment, you may file one once every five to ten years because there's a problem with the system, and uh, you, know, you know usually your your dispatcher coordinates all that. You're kind of out of the loop as a as a major airline pilot. You just everybody brings everything to you, and you kind of just look at it and say, "Yep, everything looks fine. Let's go." Things like making sure you have all the documents to fly internationally. You know, having everything, you know, weight and balance done properly. But when you're doing what you're doing, you, you're kind of, you have to know all that stuff, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And so the nice thing too, is that we're also responsible for figuring out our, our routing. So whether that involves, um, an arrival or a departure procedure, then, you know, we're, we're the ones that are actually deciding which ones of those and how we go about getting from point A to point B. So when you move into a major, it's going to seem like it's simple, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Then <laughs> joking, but there—I mean, there's other things, obviously, in an airline operation that uh, that you don't have to deal with as much. But they're they're because uh, you're dealing with the passengers and all those rules and stuff. That but it's pretty easy to figure all that out. Um, it, it's just a different environment. So what, as far as your career is concerned, um, you know, you're here doing the 135 and doing freight. Uh, I'm sure a lot of folks are going to be curious, you know, where do you think you're going to go next? That is the question that I keep on asking myself. Uh, like I said before, early on, it was to sit uh, as second in command, right seat, build my hours and go to the regionals. But now, now that I'm gaining this experience and the the valuable uh, pilot in command for jet turbine time, I don't know. I I think maybe the the airlines could be an opportunity, the majors are legacy, but again, maybe finding something that is closer to home, the quality of life is there. You know, every every pilot is looking for that, that magic quality of life to salary income kind of pill. And and uh so I'm just trying to figure out what's best for me, corporate, fractional, or or airlines. There's like right now it's ripe for the picking with what I've been exposed to. So would you suggest this to somebody else that's uh, looking towards getting to, the, say, the major someday is doing the type of job you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. When I had that discussion with my friend, at first I kind of turned a blind eye to it, but then I started looking at the timeline that he had actually written out on paper. You know, we had a discussion at some point with this and he wrote everything down. It just was like eye-opening to me. So I, I think it's it's definitely a good avenue to take. I, I wouldn't say it's an end-all, be-all the type of experience in the flying that you're doing, I think definitely gives you that opportunity to be a leg up on other candidates, perhaps. Right. 
No, and I, I agree. This is just another avenue. And I'm so glad you're, you've joined us today to talk about this because I think it's something that's incredibly important for people to realize because we don't have people come on and talk about 135 and the freight and stuff like that. And, and again, the reason being is that regionals are giving so many bonuses and stuff like that. Um, and I'm, I'm curious. I know I'm going to get this question. Do you think that, you know, by doing going this route, did you feel like you were left out from all those those signing bonuses that you see that everybody's getting? Yeah, I mean, those look very attractive, but again, you know, you kind of have it. It's that whole uh, that dangling carrot in front of you. You got to figure out what's the best route for you. What makes most sense? Uh, you know, the money is is good up front there, but what what can be gained on the back end? And I think that's the more important question that you have to ask yourself. Is that yeah, you can get that on the front end, and and everything's all fine and dandy, but what do you kind of give up to do that? So by doing what I'm doing, I feel like it just was a good decision and option for me. So uh, I, I don't feel bad about missing that because there's always opportunity down the road to kind of recoup that in one shape or form based on what I've done. So I could see one of the questions being as far as the pay is concerned. Um, you know, the regionals, your second year, even though you have all these bonuses and all, a lot of times uh, is back down to that, you know, smaller amount that you see the thirty five to 45000 a year. Um, in the arena of, from your experience and looking out there in the freight part 135, what kind of a salary does somebody that's going to start doing this, what can they, can they expect, do you think? Well, the nice thing is, is that uh, our company at the end of last year had a a restructuring of our pay scale and everything just based on the additional flying that we're going to be doing. So we're on par and if not a little bit better than what you kind of see with some other operators out there, which is nice. Um, I think, do you want me to get into like actual well, no, number, yeah, if you could throw out numbers, um, obviously not what you're making, but you know what what somebody would actually expect working, you know, at the 135 where you are. I think uh, lower 40s to start out with your first year, and and we do have a small signing bonus. It's nothing nothing as extreme as what the the regionals are offering, but we do have a uh, a smaller signing bonus here. But the nice thing is, is that due to our pay structure or pay scale. They, they developed it with kind of the longer term tenured pilot in mind, meaning that the longer you stay with the company, the the more beneficial or more income that you have to make. So again, if you were to parlay our or our pay scale structure, uh, you could see that it compares to what other airline operators are doing out there as well. And by the way, for people that are looking at those numbers, there is a resource online. Uh, Airline Pilot Central actually has a lot of those numbers out there as far as the the charter and the cargo and the Part 135, that type of thing. Also, the fractional. Remember with the fractional operators, many people want to go there. Say you want you know, like a NetJets or something like that. A lot of people, that is their that is their goal because going back to the whole lifestyle thing, it's it's so important. You know, I know that where I'm at right now in my career, one of the big choices I made is because of where I live, I'm located close to where the airline is that I work for, and driving to work makes a huge difference. <laughs> Whereas if you had to commute to work, 
man, that, that could be a bit of a challenge for some people, especially if they have a long commute. And I think that's kind of, you have to take all those things in and say, okay, what is the best for me? Uh, do I want to relocate to where one of the hubs are for that airline? Or do I want to stay where I am at right now? And those are the kind of things you really have to look at. I know, Sean, you've looked at all those different options and, and that's kind of one of the reasons you're, you are where you are right now. Absolutely. You know, I kept my mind open to everything. And the beautiful thing about where I'm at now is that I still have about another year to get my hours in order to uh, kind of have a decision made by then. And so uh, the one thing I will also implore others to do is ask questions to those who have been where you want to be. Uh, I can't thank my my friends in the past who have kind of given me some sort of direction and and whatnot, directing me to those sites like Airline Pilot Central, uh, throwing my resume out there, even though I didn't meet the criteria or qualifications, just to kind of get my my app in the system, those types of things, you know, kind of pushing me. And then also, Carl, you uh, have been a huge help with this podcast. And then also, I wrote into the podcast a couple of years ago when I was getting back into this. And and lo and behold, you uh, shared my question on the podcast. So there's been so many different pieces of the puzzle that have helped me kind of make a decision down the road. And so definitely lean on others that are mentors, uh, coaches, like you mentioned in, in real estate, you have a real estate coach. It's, it's important to, to find people that will be encouraging and, and, and help you move forward. That's for sure. As a matter of fact, you know, the cool thing is that everybody who's been a guest on here, one of the things that I think is, is really important is that the, you, the listener can reach out to them. And, and if you have a question, obviously for Sean, just write a feedback at aviation careers podcast. And I'll, I'll definitely forward that on. Also, Sean, if, if somebody, I know we didn't mention the company, uh, if somebody wants to know more about the company you work for and all, and, and we usually do that, we don't mention the actual company unless somebody's coming in specifically from that company to talk to us. Can they? Can I forward those questions on to you? Oh, yeah. I'd be happy to to do that. I, I've mentored people in the past in the real estate career, so uh, I, I'm happy to answer those questions, direct you to the right people, um, and just be a resource for you. So, uh, yeah, I welcome any types of questions or comments, anything like that. Uh, I look forward to that, actually. And a plug-in for the company you're working for. Obviously, I'm not going to mention it, but uh, it's, it is a really good company. Uh, it's great experience. The 135 experience in general is good, but what you're doing there is getting you real-world experience in the system. It's going to prepare you to actually move on to the majors, to one of the other majors, including the freight the maybe possibly going corporate or possibly going to a fractional, et cetera. It gives you a really a great, you know, well-round knowledge of the systems that are out there. So I think that's, that's one thing that's in, is incredibly important. Uh, but if you want to find out more specific about Sean's job, et cetera, or any questions for Sean, just again, just uh, send us an email feedback at aviation podcast.com. Well, Sean, this has been awesome having you on. Is there any other advice you want to leave off with or tell the listeners uh, before we, we cut off? off here as far as you know them looking into this type of a job say a 135 or freight yeah i would say just basically do your research and ask questions uh, carl you give so much good advice in terms of you know doing one thing each day to help move yourself towards that and also networking with others on linkedin and that kind of stuff i think just having that real estate background and networking and and asking the right questions, just that's really what it comes from. And uh, I, yeah, there's just so much opportunity out there right now. 
You just have to choose how to get yourself exposed to it. That's some great advice. And Sean, we'd love to have you back on again uh, when you in your next step in your career. I'd lo- love to have you come back. For sure. Yeah. Always happy to be a guest and provide uh, some inspirational and uh, insightful uh, stories and knowledge. Well, uh, Sean, good luck to you on, on the rest of your career. And I know you're going to do really well. And uh, you definitely have done your research. And this has been wonderful having you share with other people what you've done and some of your challenges. Obviously, if you know somebody has a question, feedback at aviationcarespodcast.com, we'll forward it along to Sean and, uh, and really look at him as a resource, just like all the other guests on the show. I'd really encourage you to do that. But you know, just like Sean said, the, the really important thing is to keep moving in your career, keep moving forward. And the easiest way to do that is to do something today. After this podcast is over and go out there and do something. Maybe you just want to write down something, do a memo to yourself. I need to research something. I need to research something on Airline Pilot Central. I need to look at the resources like on our, our website, the recommended reading. We have all those links to those. Maybe that's one of the things I need to do. But the most important thing is I want you to do something, do something today to move forward in your career. Well, folks, we'll talk to you next episode and safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.